You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo, and we're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I'm joined by the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, the Hall of Famer. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Marcus. How are you today? Uh, I could not possibly ask to be better. It's uh, man, we are rocking and rolling here on Everybody's Got a Pod. The YouTube numbers are way up, download numbers are up, everything's going great. Awesome. And uh, today we've got something really fun going on. You know, it's 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 actually based on a, an anniversary. It's not so fun. Uh, last month marked the 25 year anniversary of the passing of the great junkyard dog. And so mm-hmm. I thought, hey, we can't just let this one pass by 25 years. Yeah. We're going to talk today. It's going to be our first uh, profile on someone. And it's mm-hmm. all about JYD. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you about it, man. As I was doing the research, go- good golly, you guys have got some incredible uh, history together and some amazing moments. Yeah, yeah. got it. Well, uh, before we start, I just want to remind our listeners to get over to YouTube.com slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. If you haven't subscribed yet, you're missing out. We release a YouTube exclusive clip every Monday that you can't hear anywhere else. Also, we're planning another giveaway sometime very soon. The only way to be eligible is, is to be subscribed. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, that's youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod doesn't cost you anything and you're going to love what we're doing over there. So, Ted, uh, JYD attended Fayetteville University and graduate graduated with a B.A. in history and political science. But he was good enough at, as a football player that he got drafted by the Houston Oilers in 1975. Uh, after he was cut by them and bounced around football for a while, he became a deputy sheriff before being trained by Sonny King in 77. Uh, Ted, I know that you and Dog were really close. How much of this history did you know about? Uh, a little bit of it, but I, I didn't know. Uh, you know, I, I'd never... I never asked him, you know, like, you know, who had trained him, but yeah, you know, okay, Sonny King, okay, I, that's it's that's news to me. So ah. you're 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 digging into some history that even I didn't know. But <laughs> now I know that you were a standout football player yourself. Did you know that he was in the NFL for a while? I did. Yeah, I did. I did. I did know that he had gone to the NFL and and he was there for a little while. Uh, you know, which uh, where where on my part, I played for three years on scholarship for West Texas state. Uh, and I think we've talked about the history of West Texas state and how many professional wrestlers came out of there. Largely, incredible, largely due to the influence of the funk family. Uh, but yeah, I played at WT for three years. And so the summer between my junior and senior year, like I said before, is when I was going to go try it. Uh, Dick Murdoch got me, you know, you know, he talked to Bill Watts, and Bill Watts said, "Sure, bring him in here. We'll start him." Uh, 
And by the end of the summer, things were rolling so good. Uh, and I was getting so much encouragement for, from everybody about, you know, what my future looked like that I just said, this is what I'm going to do. Why go back now? Now, now at almost 70, I look back and go, uh, you dumb butt. You had one year of college <laughs> left. You, you would have had a degree. Uh, even though you had never used it, you still would have had it. And, 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 and what had, you know, like, like, what if something had happened to me? What if I, you know, cause you know, the guys get hurt in this business all the time. Yeah. And, uh, and you couldn't wrestle anymore. Then what were you going to do? And, you know, so anyway, but it, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, JYD was, a uh, uh, a great guy and a great friend and, I just, you know, the whole, you know, I'll, I'll let you ask the questions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear what you're about to say. Maybe we'll get there uh, here, but before the end of the episode, there's certainly a lot to cover. Um, he did some bouncing around in Memphis, Germany, Calgary. Uh, he had a lot of success in Stu Hart's territory before making his way to Louisiana. At about the same time as Watts broke away from Leroy McGurk and started up uh, Mid-South Wrestling, which would have been late 1979. Uh, Ted, when do you recall first meeting JYD? Were you there at this time? Um, yeah, okay. I, I started in the summer of 75 mm -hmm. and, um, I, I, I was there for, I think a year and then in, uh, let me see. I went, I went back to Amarillo, um, for a short stay. And then I went up and I worked for, uh, uh, the Kansas city territory. And so then I went, um, went from Kansas city. I think I went back to, uh, Amarillo for a short time. And then, um, that's when, uh, I got the call from Terry Funk and he said, get to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, and get on the Atlanta TV. Um, and that's what I did. And I, I didn't, so then I didn't come back to, uh, I didn't come back to um, Mid-South until, um, I think it was, uh, it was, it was like, the, I think it was the summer of 81. Uh, by that time, obviously, JYD was there. So when I went back to Atlanta, I mean, when I went back to Mid-South, um, from Atlanta, he was there. And that would have been the first time that you had ever crossed paths with him? I, gosh, I think so. I think so, But because I, I know we became we became fast friends. Okay, what, tell me when he went to work for Bill the first time. He would have gone to work for Bill straight from Calgary, uh, just as Bill had uh, secured the territory from Leroy McGurk, uh, which is late '79. Okay, that's that sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, what were your uh, What were your first impressions of Doug? Uh, unbelievable! What a nice guy, super guy, very funny, <laughs> always cracking jokes, but. Uh, and just, uh, an all around great guy. And, you know, uh, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I've heard 
things that Bill has had, you know, compliments that Bill has given me that I, you know, it wasn't directly to me, but through other people mm -hmm. about, you know, my, my ability and what have you. And, and so if you're going to, you know, if you got a new great talent, somebody you're going to push, uh, then you got to put him with somebody that can get him there. And I guess that somebody was me, you know, so, but at first we were both baby faces. Yes. Okay. And so, but, but, and, and he was, he was doing, he, uh, he was, he was doing great. He was coming along good. Uh, I guess the best way to describe the dog was, he, you know, he didn't have like a, you know, he wasn't a, uh, uh, like an in-ring great technician type of guy. Right. But he had, he had so much charisma. Oh my gosh. And he was so good on the microphone that it made up for every, you know, what, what he didn't have. And I actually, I remember calling Terry Funk when Bill told me that he was going to turn me heel. And I said, you know, this is the first time of being heel. And he said, there's the way Terry said it. He says, when, when you're the, when you're the heel, you're the, you're the guy calling the, you're, you're calling the match. Okay. And, and, and with a guy like JYD who, has all those great characteristics, but it's not really a great ring technician. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know what he can do and what he can do very well and stay away from the things that he can't do very well. Basically he says, you know, it's like, uh, uh, you gotta kind of put him in the middle of the ring and work around it. <laughs> you know, kind of like I, I was, I would have to create all the, the excitement, so to speak. Uh, and, and that's, you know, that's what, uh, eventually what we tried to do. But, uh, like I said, I mean, we were such good friends that, uh, when Melanie and I decided to go ahead and get married, we got married on New Year's Eve, January the 31st, 1981. And JYD was right there, uh, and stood up as my, my best man. So. Wow. So you guys were, were really fast friends. Yeah, we were. So Dog started out in the Mid-South. He's kind of this comedic character who worked in a junkyard. He'd carry his, his opponents out in a wheelbarrow after matches. Um, but even with kind of a silly gimmick like that, he got over huge. And mm -hmm. Watts made the decision to replace the wheelbarrow with a dog collar. Uh, he's coming out to uh, another one bites the dust. And uh, yeah. he's, he's positioned in this top baby face role. Um, at the time, this was really revolutionary, though. Um, yeah. Let's all remember that we're in the South and the world yes. was still evolving for the better. So other promoters from around the country thought Watts was crazy with the belief that white fans would never support a pro wrestling show where the top baby face was an African-American. And um, brother, I'm telling you, I was, you know, it's like it did my heart. So, so, I mean, you know, touche to Bill Watts for, you know, number one, ha having, I mean, and Bill is an extremely intelligent guy. I mean, mm -hmm. His my my understanding of the psychology of uh, the wrestling business. I learned most of it from Bill. I mean, I obviously I grew up in the business, but Bill was so good and uh, and so smart. And you know, it's kind of like uh, and 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 you know, a lot of people didn't like him. I mean, uh, a lot of people didn't like him. You know, said he was like a bully. Uh, you know, but that's kind of like you know, wrestling was a different. You know animal back then and uh i just you know 
the only thing I would have said, <laughs> and, and I, and I actually, I have said, I mean, I, I talk to Bill occasionally still, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, every now and then I'll get on the phone with him or, or whatever. And, uh, he sends me like, uh, he sends me jokes, he, you know, he'll text message me some jokes and stuff like that. That's awesome. You're time. still in contact. But, you know, I told him one time, I said, you know what, Bill? I said, I re really appreciate all you you invested in me. You know, I said, but, you know, you know I, I just wish you to pay me better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you would have never wanted to leave, you know, because uh, yeah. as I'm watching all this stuff back, you know, you're in a really nice featured role in the company. Everything's kind of moving and shaking for you. But, I mean, to your point, it's, man, there's, a, there's a lot, awful lot of money out there for a guy with your skill set. Yeah. Well, and uh, I, 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 again, when, when I, you know, when I, when, when Bill changed me, when I, when I, uh, uh, turned heel, then I was, you know, then I was, uh, the top guy on the other side, you know, mm -hmm. JYD was the number one baby face and I was the number one heel. Man, it's uh, we've got a video coming up, and it is fantastic. Can't wait to watch it back. Before we get there, we're almost there. Um, before we get there, though, it's, yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of put a punctuation point on that that whole point. You know, Watts is often criticized for uh, being a racist. He was actually dismissed from WCW as a result of, I don't know, some off-color comment that he made at some point. Um, but, I mean, that takes a lot of guts to do what Bill did in, uh, during that time where, like, other promoters, when you're trying to send these guys to different territories, like, yeah. some of them didn't want him there in that kind of a, a featured role. So, I mean, it's just really incredible for Bill to, to do that. It really took some, some guts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, well, the one thing I did understand is, is that we were in the deep south. I mean, oh, my gosh, you can't get any deeper into the south than Louisiana. Yep. I mean, Louisiana, Mississippi, you know, probably the closest thing to um, <laughs> if you were going to say there were two racist states left in the United States, <laughs> it probably it. at that time would have been Louisiana and Mississippi. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm going to tell you, everybody loved him. Everybody loved him. And I and I, it was good for everything. It, it was good for the culture. It was good for, uh, I, I think, in some ways, you know, it even helped to uh healed some of those wounds if you will uh, yes uh it, it kind of helped bridge a gap eventually because his dog's popularity grew uh it was like the the newspaper in new orleans actually put out some kind of a survey like hey who's the most popular athlete so like as a reminder pete maravich yeah. was in that city at the time the basketball <laughs> player uh caucasian uh archie archie manning uh peyton manning's father was yes. uh, the quarterback in that city yeah. at the time and and played football at ole miss I mean, yep. You know, he was from Mississippi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But then but the number one athlete in the this uh in the city was the JYD. Junk, junkyard dog. Yeah. So, and I remember uh, you know, the they uh uh the fans, especially in New Orleans, they they, they came up with a, a, a chant. And so like when 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 I would uh you know when 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 he would when we would get to a part when we had so many matches, but when we would get to that part of the match where I'd tell the dog, I said, okay, buddy, it's time for you to, to light that fuse and start coming back. And as he would do that, the fans would start chanting, who dat, who dat, who dat say to go and beat that dog, who dat. That was the chant. 
<laughs> I mean, I mean, it just echoed everywhere. So, and by the way, the the Saints uh, fans still do that chant today. So I don't know if if that came as a result of JYD or if it was part of the Saints culture already. But I'd like to think that it started with JYD, and it's still something's going today. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and I don't really know. So. Uh, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it started with JYD. <laughs> let's let's say it was. <laughs> okay, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about taking care of some serious business. And I'm talking about taking care of business in the bedroom. And if you're trying to take care of business, you need to try Blue Chew. Guys, let's just take a minute to talk about sex. You remember back in the day when you were always ready to go? Well, with a little help from Blue Chew, you can get that thing so hard you could take it hunting. It's going to help increase your performance and regain that old confidence in bed. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready when the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And you want to know the best part? It's all done online. No awkward visits to the doctor's office. No weird conversations. No waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But of course, there will be nothing discreet about your package. Look, guys, I ordinarily like to try things before I make any kind of a commitment. You know, because you want to find out, is this actually going to work? Will it work for me? Well, that's good. that's got to be the best part of this whole thing. With our deal, you can try it for a month for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. This whole time, you and your partner may have been having the best sex of your whole life and been missing out on it without even knowing. So why not just give Blue Chew a shot? Just find out. You know when you can get it for a month for free with only $5 shipping? It's silly not to just give it a try. Women are attracted to confidence and Blue Chew can help to give you confidence where it counts the very most. Don't wait any longer. Let's chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, hey, so you mentioned it. Dog was not a, a polished worker by any means, but at the time he had this great physique, and uh, allegedly he bench pressed more than five hundred pounds according oh, to the research was, I was doing. Oh God, he was strong, brother. Yes, he was extremely strong, and and again, he did. He had he had the body, he had the look, he had just so much charisma, and basically that's what Bill Bill, Bill did. I mean, Bill's like I said, he's a brilliant guy, you know. Uh, you know, you know, you got a talent like that. You got to be careful who you put him in the ring with because you you got to put him in, in the ring with somebody that you know is going to, you know, do what you want him to do is, and that's get him over. And, you know, and so, uh, but uh, a smart heel knows how to get his opponent over and at the same time, keep his heat. And yes, you know, I knew how to do that. So, <laughs> Man, I, I cannot I cannot wait to get into this. I actually uh, saw it for the first time last night as I was gathering clips for this, and man, it's just it's phenomenal stuff. Um, before we get there, one of the uh, first really big angles that Dog was involved in centered around him being kayfabe blinded by Michael Hayes. Uh, were you in the company for this story, and do you yeah, remember what kind of numbers uh, it was doing? Oh gosh, I mean, it was crazy. It was you know, 
it was through the roof. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I don't have any statistics to tell you, but I mean, I knew we were doing unbelievable business and oh my gosh, you know, and it's kind of like, and the Freebirds, I mean, Michael Hayes and the Freebirds, they had to be real carefree, care, careful where they went and where, you know, like, you know, like, uh, um, I can't remember, I think it was Terry Gordy told me about a story where they, they stopped somewhere to get gas and they wouldn't serve them. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> I actually heard one worse was that at one point, um, you know, JYD came out to address a, a live crowd and, you know, he was he was blind and uh, some uh, the Freebirds came out to confront him uh, while he was there blinded. One fan came over the rail and held Michael Hayes at gunpoint um until security showed up uh, this is all according to the research i did so i mean yeah, yeah. just just insane heat and by the way they did a, a blow off dog collar match inside of a cage where dog was saying i'm blinded but i can find you at the end of this this chain and yeah. uh they they drew in excess of thirty six thousand fans um which was just unheard of in the wrestling industry especially for some guys that were still really young in the business at the time yeah um and it was a reported gate of one hundred and eighty-three thousand dollars, um which was the biggest up to up until that time ever that was a super, super dome <laughs> yes so yeah. like so yeah. like if if you want to talk about a uh popular athlete i mean we yeah. referenced it jyd uh, we've said it here before bigger than elvis in louisiana was he not yeah and that's and that's that's incredible. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Just nuts. Um, well, let's let's get to a topic. I think uh, you're a little bit more deeply involved in. Uh, JYD would win the North American title from Bob Roop on June 21st, 1982, and the very next weekend he'd have to face you, one of his best friends, and put his title on the line while you put your career in Mid South on the line. Uh, both of you are strong baby faces, of course, and uh, this was painted as kind of like a friendly competition between the two of you um, and, and that you guys had a lot of respect for one another. Uh, let's yeah. drop in on the final moments of the match. Junkyard dog got a little bit off balance. DiBiase got close enough to the ropes. He didn't catch him with that thumper. That might have finished it right there. DiBiase got in the ropes. No. Caught him with that side drop. Not enough. DiBiase had enough resilience to kick out. It's ironic. DiBiase cheated me out of the North American title. Ooh, power slam! This could be it. Oh, I don't believe that. Neither does Ted DiBiase. Going for the figure four. Going for the leg lock. Junkyard dog over the top rope. But hey, no disqualification in this match. DiBiase's hurt. Over on the cement floor. Do you believe floor. the way, boy? Excuse me, but do you believe the way Junkyard Dog came out of that power slam? That's what doing that 550-pound bench press. That's what working with those weights does for you. Gives you the strength to get a man off you. Now look him. He's showing his friendship right here. He's showing the fact that he's got a heart. I don't agree with it. I think you ought to finish him. But he's showing he's got some heart here. He's helping a man. He, he's helping his friend back in the ring. What's Ted DiBiase doing? What's, wait a minute. What's he doing? He went in his tights and put something in that glove. Wait a minute. One, two, three. One, two, three. Alfred Neely raises he a hand. He put something in that glove. Uh, Ted DiBiase. I he, knew it. He is the new North American Heavyweight Champion. I knew it. 
He planned, I knew it. I told we, I told the people weeks ago. That glove, he planned that for me all along. That glove was planned for me. Can you imagine his best friend? He put something in that glove. Nobody can knock the junkyard dog out with just one punch. Look at him, he's still out. <laughs> oh man. What a and that was the beginning of it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh gosh. The loaded <laughs> glove. <laughs> uh and, and and Bill was so smart. I mean, you know, like it's kind of like Bill Watts was so, so smart, you know, and he, he'd give two guys a finish. And a lot of Bill's finishes were, were very long. And I said, you you could screw up the whole match. And if you got the finish right, the match would get over. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but oh, oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, because when, when, when he, you know, like when he laid this all down for us, that, 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 that deal there right, right before, where I take that bump over the top to the floor and, and, you know, and most guys wouldn't, you know, you're in the mat, you know, they just let the referee count, you know what? And, but no dog gets out because, and they, and they covered it. Uh, here, look, look at this. He's helping his friend back up and, and yeah. back into the ring. And, and then right, right after he does that, I <laughs> pop it. Oh, you talk about heat. Oh my gosh. Like you can tell that that's some nuclear heat because the crowd did not react. They were stunned. That's exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. They, they, you know, they were stunned. He got beat and they were stunned. That I did that. I mean, again, I started my whole career in that territory. I mean, that's mm -hmm. where I started. I mean, I, I was 21 years old and I had gone there the summer of 75 with, uh, uh, with Dick Murdoch. And I think, uh, killer Carl Cox was one of the top heels at that time. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's stunned everybody. You know, nobody expected that of me. And, Here's the thing, you know, when you're over that much as a baby face and you turn, it's just gonna, it's like, it's like, you know, adding the, the, the fuel to the fire, mm -hmm. you're, gonna, you're just going to burn it up. It's, uh, it's just crazy. And it was, man, I tell you what. Absolutely insane, insane amount of heat. And I've also heard uh, that you would have to leave like with a police escort. Uh, at one point, I think I, and during my research, I saw that you had to leave in the back of a, an uh, a, uh, ambulance. So it's, I, man. I did. Yeah. One time. <laughs> I to, mean. Yeah. They had to the, get me out of the town. <laughs> <laughs> there will never be heat like that again. Like, oh, I just can't picture yeah. it. It was crazy. But. uh Hey, uh, but that was, we, we made some money. So you certainly did. And, uh, you know, your real life friendship with dog is used as a storytelling device here throughout where they're, you know, they, they talk about how he was your best man, your wedding. Um, and also during my research, I saw that, uh, the story was recounted that during your time in Georgia, that you got a lot of TV exposure, but not a lot of money. And you were apparently struggling to make ends meet before dog helped you out. I don't know if that's true or if it's just a storytelling device, um, but it's also in my research. I saw that during your time in the WWF, you would return the favor to dog down the road. Is there any truth to all that? Yep. Is it really? Yes, there is. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, yeah, I had to, you know, I had to get out of Georgia, man. Uh, well, and that's what he helped me do. He's, he, you know, he's, he helped, he helped me to where I could get back to mid South. Man, good guy. Uh, oh and yeah loyal yeah. friend uh and you know also Absolutely. what i'm 
The other thing I'm seeing in my research is that he was generous with everyone. He would go out of his way to give money to folks who were in need, whether it's friends, fans, or just like a stranger that he would see out and about. Um, yeah. You teamed with him, and you mentioned that you had, uh, you had traveled with him. Uh, do you remember seeing him do this kind of thing along the way? Yeah, occasionally. I mean, just, you know, just anywhere. I mean, it's got kind of like, uh, um, I remember one time we, we, uh, we stopped somewhere. It was, uh, uh, like a, like a truck stop. Like it's a, it's a, uh, it's a place to get gas, but it's also a place that's got a restaurant attached to it. And, 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 uh, and, and a guy there that was, you know, like, just, you know, like you see, you know, uh, you know, just begging for anything. And JYD, you know, uh, got him up and and uh, took him in the restaurant and, and, and told him, he told the waitress, he says, he says, let him order anything he wants and I'm paying for it. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Great guy. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't have had a better friend. Man. And, that, and that's it. That's the other thing, too, is the other thing that made, that made the, <laughs> the heat so hot with me turning on him is that, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a territory. You know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, a lot of people know, I mean, but the fans know a lot more about you in a small territory. And, and, and it just, it's kind of like, I mean, they saw us constantly together. We, you know, we were constantly together and, you know, either, I, you know, you know, either I drive or he'd drive and, and, uh, and we would have somebody ride with us, but um, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. So the fans knew about your personal relationship with him and what a oh. great guy he was or had yeah. the reputation of being. And all right. of a sudden, you know, this, this hometown boy, so to speak, uh, <laughs> Ted DiBiase, you're like this all American kid uh, and you're just, you're just turned into the dark side and yeah. oh man, it just couldn't be better. And well, it would lead. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And, and and that's you know the, the, it's twofold. It's number one, you know, if I'd have turned heel on somebody else, I mean, uh, it, it would have it would have been hot because I had been a babyface, a good guy in that territory. I had I had, had left and I'd come back, and I'd left and I'd come back. But I started there, and the fans knew that I I got my start there. They saw me, you know, like working in the opening matches and and, and everything. And it's almost like the fans of that that uh, territory saw me grow up, and so that made it, that made it even it, that made it even hotter. It's like it's not only a, here's a guy that they all trusted and loved, and you know not only did I uh, you know uh, you know crush their their belief in me, but you know and I I did it with the hottest baby face in the territory. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the the perfect storm of circumstances yeah, to, yeah. to kick you down the road as as this uh, heel that I mean and then you know for the rest of your career it's you know you were essentially a heel and made an awful lot of money doing it. So just really cool that that this was sort of the beginning of it all. And yeah. it would lead to you joining of course the rat pack and uh, to one of the most lucrative house show runs in the history of the company, uh, it would it would build to a loser leaves town match, uh, which Dog would lose thanks to that damn Jim Duggan dressing in a gorilla suit and interfering <laughs> to, cause, to cause Dog to lose. Uh, we so. We're going to be doing a future Rat Pack episode where we're going to talk about the whole thing. Uh, but for right now, Ted, uh, this led to the, the arrival of an alter ego for Dog just a week later. It was televised in early November. Let's have a look at this. 
And now a non-title event for one fall with a 10-minute timer. All right. In the red corner at 268 pounds from Omaha, Nebraska, the North American heavyweight champion, Ted DiBiase. And coming into the ring now at 150 pounds from Virginia, S. Lee. <laughs> Opening up a big banner here. And it says S. Lee is Stagger Lee. And it's a deal. Who is Stagger Lee? Who is Stagger Lee? All right, so I had to actually cut the audio here briefly because uh, there's some copyrighted music that's uh, playing as, as Stagger Lee makes his entrance. But yeah, Ted's in there with a kid who looks like he goes about 120 pounds soaking wet. They're, they've opened up a uh, banner that says S. Lee is Stagger Lee. And now the crowd is reacting, and so is Ted, as uh, somebody comes out here to the ring. And uh, he's wearing a mask, but he looks awful familiar. Stagger Lee! <laughs> S. Lee is Stagger Lee and DiBiase. He seems really upset, and I know he is. Stagger Lee out there rocking and rolling. If I believe my memory serves me right, JYD referred to one Staggerly as a man who used to beat him up and steal his milk money on the bus when he was in school. And there is Staggerly. Like I said, JYD had a premonition of what they were having in store for him. And therefore, he must have had Staggerly in the wings. Because nah, he... Staggerly just put something in that mask and he hit it. There's a foreign object in that mask and that DiBiase is out on the floor with his head ringing and staggerly and just whipped him and then just dumped him and it says is it me staggerly is the victor we'll be back with more action after this important message <laughs> just fantastic stuff it's of course oh, jyd man. under a hood they're barely trying to conceal it but oh, yeah. uh but yeah. man it's it's fantastic what do you remember about this ted oh it was it was awesome and i mean when when bill laid this out I was just, you know, uh, I was almost beside myself. I said, oh, gosh, this is great. This is such a great idea. You know, so, and, and can, can and, you, know, for, 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 you know, it was just so good. I mean, because everybody knew. Everybody knew it was that, you know, everybody said, you know, and I would be screaming that. I said, I, to, and to the referee and to all the fans, I said, you know what it is. You know it's Junkyard Dog. Uh <laughs> It was, it, yeah, it made money, boy. That's what's so great about the whole thing is yeah. that, like, all the heels are complaining, like, come on, that's clearly Junkyard Dog. But, you know, it's finally the heels are getting a little taste of their own medicine where it's yeah. like this guy's coming out. We know it's him. We know it's technically him cheating because he's supposed to be gone for 90 days or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's just <laughs> it's just fantastic. Uh, and, and it and, led. And, and, and turning what, you know, it's like, you know, I would do it. I'd, I'd load the glove and then he would do the deal with and load, load his mask and knock you out. It was great. That was, uh, you can find this clip on YouTube. Uh, just You can just Google it, and I'm sure it'll come up, just Stagger Lee versus Ted DiBiase. Um, it's great because, yeah, he loads up his uh, his mask and headbutts Ted, and Ted is just selling it like he got shot, where he's, like, stumbling around. It's phenomenal. Uh, 
Um, and this whole thing would lead to uh, another big Superdome house on Thanksgiving in 1982 when Stagger Lee pinned you to win the title, yeah. uh, which, which he promptly sent back when JYD's 90 days were up. And as with many wrestlers in that circuit, however, during this time, um, the travel and celebrity made his marriage uh, fall apart. He had yeah. a lot of difficulty with his marriage. I know that his wife had had some, uh, some mental issues along the way as well. Um, and he also began to develop a serious cocaine addiction. Yeah. And uh, so he was beginning to become visibly heavier, which impacted his already limited ring work. Um, Ted, is there any specific instance that stands out where you recognize that JYD was starting to battle some pretty serious issues? Uh, you know, not really. Um, I'm not, 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 not anything that I could, that I could think of, you know, I knew that, uh, you know, I know it's, he, you know, he was, he was fairly, I guess, secretive about, you know, what he was doing with most people. Uh, but you know, I, you know, I know, I knew he was doing the Coke too. And then, and the thing about cocaine, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, you know, by the by the grace of God, I I never have had any kind of addiction to alcohol or drugs or anything. You know, I could, like I said, you know, like I I, I couldn't stand the smoke pot because all it made me do is uh, sit in the corner and and and, and get real hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, I had toyed with the uh, with the cocaine, uh, but very little, and it was kind of like one of those deals where. I could see where it could lead to being addictive. And for me, the only reason, you know, it's like, you know, some, I mean, a lot of guys that were, were doing it, they just do it every day. But, you know, the only time I would do it is if I had a real long trip because it, mm-hmm. because it was a stimulant, because it would keep you awake. And it was like, that was more the reason I did it than any, any, any reason was just to stay awake so I could get through a trip. It was crazy. If I'd have been paid by the mile, I'd be the multi-million dollar man. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of dollars by now. Yeah. yeah. Man, it's uh, insane. And, you know, for all that kind of travel, you probably need something a little bit stronger than coffee to get through it. Uh, which is... yeah. and, and so, and, and again, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I don't promote drugs of any kind. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, my whole life changed, uh, uh, you know, when I rededicated my life to Christ and, you know, I, you know, a lot, a lot of the fans already know that I'm, you know, like I'm an ordained minister. I don't, uh, I mean, I don't pastor a church or anything like that. I guess you, you would call me an, an evangelist. Like, cause I go and I, I speak in churches. Uh, I speak a lot to a lot of men's groups and I tell my story and, uh, of, of getting back to a place where, uh, you know, it's, the single, the single greatest relationship in my life is, is not with my wife. It's with Christ, you know, and that's, you know, but that, that's, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, like, and I, I look back and a lot of things, a lot of the stories I'm, I'm sharing with you guys and, and, and the people is, is like, you know, I think back to a lot of that travel when we did, you know, and for wrestlers, it was just, you know, I was like, kind of like, uh, uh, after the show, you stop at the Seven Eleven. you get a case of beer down the road, you go, <laughs> it's kind of like, and, uh, um, I, I look back at that and I, I, I go, sometimes I go, you know, I just need to thank God that I'm, I'm still alive and well, because, you know, 
and it's it, it's truly amazing to me that there there weren't more accidents you know with with, oh. with the talent and, and and guys getting in trouble with the law but they didn't uh I mean, I you and your you and your crew guy were not crew of guys were not some rare exception where you guys were the only ones who were buying a case of beer and drive. This was oh. happening in basically every single car as these guys are traveling all yeah. these miles. Yeah. So it's 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 absolutely nuts that there weren't more fatal accidents and and you know tragedies yeah. along yeah. the way. Yeah. And yeah, let me let me be clear for our listeners. Uh, at no point as we're recounting any of this are we condoning the use of any drugs, alcohol, no, anything. Not at all more than anything we're just trying to recount the truth and by the way if anything is going to turn you off of getting into to drugs and certainly cocaine it's a story of jyd here uh yeah. because you know here's a guy he was at one point uh, it's reported that he was making something like twelve thousand dollars a week which is an absurd amount of money at the time in professional yeah. wrestling so he was doing very very well but due to his drug problems uh, he's starting to experience some fin- some financial yeah. issues as well. Um, so it's it's drugs. He's also a really generous guy, and he's giving a lot of money away to folks. Um, and so he was struggling financially, and uh, you know, with some demons. And that's around the time here that he receives an offer from Vince McMahon to come to the WWF, which is yeah. the summer of '84. Yeah. And uh, so he accepted it. Allegedly, McMahon wanted Dog to leave on the spot. So he's gone with no warning, leaving a string of no shows and and suddenly appearing on WWF TV. Apparently, Watts was pretty bitter about the whole thing and started burying JYD on his TV. Uh, And Ted, I have to imagine. Oh, go ahead. Well, and, you know, and uh, to Watts's credit, you know, to have been treated so well, that's that, you know, and, and I. And I get it. I mean, it's kind of like um, the JYD you're you're looking at then is not the same guy I knew. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is you know, for for you to have worked for any promotion. I mean, like I mean, the old school way was, you know, back when it was all territories. I mean, that and now this is this is the beginning of Vince McMahon's basically expanding to the whole country in other words uh the wwe was was you know i mean and and i think you know he went around to all the promoters this is true he went around to all the promoters of all the all the territories and said here's what i'm about to do so i'm just giving you fair warning if you would like to join me you're welcome to in other words if you would like you know if you would like to uh join me and take part in this you know, uh, with, with, and I don't know how he would do that, but of course, all those promoters, including Bill, said no, no thanks, because they had their own they had their own deal going, and I don't think anybody envisioned that Vince McMahon could basically take over the, you know, the entire <laughs> wrestling community. Uh, but yeah, JYD was not the same guy. I mean, by by that time, and. Uh, uh, it's just it's it's just a sad story. It is. And by the way, that that stuff from Vince McMahon where he's saying like, hey, you know, this is your opportunity to come along. It's a, it's an offer, but it also sounds a little bit like a warning. Like Vince Vince knew uh, what he had. And at this time, you know, so it's the summer of 84 when when JYD is leaving. Uh, just as a frame of reference in January, Hulkamania started. Um, so this territory is really, really beginning to pick up some steam. There's a lot of money exchanging hands up there and JYD sees an opportunity to, to go and cash in. 
and he burned some bridges here in Mid-South to go and do it. Now, uh, Ted, I have to believe that this would have been really tough for you because on one side, it's one of your best friends moving on to a company that's growing rapidly and he's got some opportunities to make some great money. Um, on the other side, he's leaving the company that you work for in a really rough spot. Uh, what do you remember about how you felt about well, JYD at this time? Um, you know, and I don't know if I was... I don't know, Marcus, if I was there when he left. Was I? Well, was well, I? Now that I think of it, summer of 84, you would have been working in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Yeah. See, because I, you know, I mean, I remember that's when Terry, Terry Funk got a hold of me. And he said, he said, Teddy, he says, he says, you know, uh, you need to get back on Atlanta television. He said, because. Your name's in the hat. There's three names in the hat. Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and you. Uh, potentially, you know, uh, could be, the, you know, elected to be the next NWA world champion. So I, I wasn't I wasn't there when, when, uh, when uh, JYD left. I was in Georgia. And, uh, um, you know, and I was kind of shocked when I heard about it, too, uh, that, that, that he would leave in that way that he just no 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 notice no i mean you know uh yeah it kind of kind of shocked me because i mean that's you know that was just the old that's that's what you do now uh, and, and i would think for for somebody that had been treated so well by by bill uh to just up and fly the coop that's you know and and by that time i you know yeah, and I had been away from Dog for, for quite a while, and uh, it was just, you know, he, you know, he succumbed to the the things he was doing, you know, you know, like uh, you know, like he, the, the the cocaine got to be the, the better of him, and I, you know, I don't know if he was still dealing with that while he was in New York or not. I don't know. I, I you know, by that time. I didn't have much contact with it. So, yeah, that was going to be my next question is, you know, you wouldn't debut with uh, the WWF until 87. Um, in those years in between, I mean, because we're talking about the the best man in your wedding. Uh, clearly, you thought yeah. highly of this man. Yeah. Uh, did you remain in touch with him at all? Did he reach out to you? Uh, not much. I mean, that's it's kind of like, you know, that's it, it's crazy, but uh in the in the in the wrestling world, I mean, it's kind of like uh, you, you you end up in a in a place with a bunch of guys, and you're there, and you work together, and uh, you know one guy goes one one way, and another guy goes another way, and then you may not see somebody for uh, you know two or three years, and then now all of a sudden you're together again, and it's like you saw him yesterday. <laughs> pick it's right like, back up where you well, left off. Let's just, just let's just pick up from where we left off and keep going. You know, it's uh, he's getting used primarily in kind of a, a comedic mid-card role here in the WWF, which is fine, and he's doing a great job with it. He's making good money, so certainly nothing wrong with it. Just not the same as it was, you know, with this wild, insane success that he was having uh, in Louisiana. Yeah. And uh, I am curious, you know, when you do arrive in the WWF, did you spend much time with him, travel with him, anything like that? Well, I didn't go to the WWF until 87. Right, and he was there until late 88. 
and uh and so we we you know i mean because of the uh because of the structure of things you know well we you know obviously when we could be together we were but but a lot of times you know you know i mean because because of the expansion and the way uh, vince was booking things you know it wasn't like everybody was in the same place on the same night i mean he right. had, we were he had a crew here there's a crew here you didn't ever know where you were working but the only times that we were all together uh would be the the tv shoots you know like you know because bill was doing i mean uh vince was doing the same thing back then uh he was he was you know, we would do tv for two days and we would do we basically we do six shows in two days uh, three three one night in one place and and then somewhere else it was relatively close and three more shows you know and uh, so the only time we would be together again would be that would, would be uh on those and the occasional times that we were together but yeah i mean we so we saw each other but it was it was sparing you know well, and not to mention, you know, he's a beloved baby face. You're a hateable heel, and you're traveling traveling around in a in a limousine. Uh, so it probably would have been weird for fans to see him step out of a limousine with you, even if you guys had been working in the same town. So yeah. just it is what it is. Um, so I mean, we all know how crazy life on the road can be, and um, you know, it's well before the days of cell phones. So after he's gone from uh, the WWF, which is again late '88, it's allegedly due to no showing uh, a number of dates there as well. Um, I'm curious over the ten years that you know between 1988 and 1998, when he he would pass away, uh, are you guys in touch much, or just I mean too busy on the road? Uh, we weren't in touch much. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, there was a. Uh, Oh, I can't remember, Marcus. There was there was there was one occasion where we saw each other. I can't remember where it was now, and and we had a chance to chat, you know. And I was I just encouraged him. I was, you know, it's kind of like um, I felt bad. I mean, I felt bad for him. Mm -hmm. um, um, uh, this might jog your memory a little bit. I know that you were, uh, you were, you had begun by the time you made it to WCW, you'd begun, uh, you know, working as a minister and uh, going in and, and talking to churches and whatnot. And I believe that uh, you would reach out to JYD to talk to him about, uh, you know, kind of using him as an example of like, hey, look, you know, you can turn to this life. And, uh, you know, JYD, he was this, that, he was on top. And then he had this difficult fall from grace yeah. um yeah. so according to the research uh, it was said that you reached out to him and talked to him about that and he he gave you his blessing to use that uh as, as an example does that ring a bell for you yes yeah okay it does it, it does i mean um and of course um he understood too you know where he had been and, and uh, uh i guess from you know like from the heights that he had, where he had, where he had been, and, and that, that where he was at, at that time. So, uh, yeah, we we did have that discussion, and I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, I 
when I can't what year did he pass away? He passed away on June first, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah. So you would have been still working for WCW. I think that you were off TV by this point, maybe doing uh, a little work behind the scenes with them, uh, helping them out. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, we can talk about that now. He passed away in a tragic car accident. He was on his way back from his daughter's, uh, graduation and, uh, yeah, just, uh, allegedly fell asleep at the wheel, went off the road and, and that's the yeah. end. Um, what do you recall, uh, or rather, when do you recall hearing about his, his passing? Do you have any recollection? Well, I mean, basically, I mean, as soon as it happened because, you know, where he where he ran off the road is uh, it was between Jackson and Meridian, Mississippi. Mm. I mean, so he he you know his you know his his car accident wasn't that far. I mean, it's less than the you know it was like maybe fifty miles from where I live. And I mean, you know, I mean, I, we I heard about it immediately. It's yeah. kind of like it was just just shocked. Just absolutely shocked. I mean, awful. And look, uh, you know, apparently he had been trying to clean his life up. Up, he got a, a shoot job, as it were. You know, uh, working, you know, multiple places and and you know, making money, kind of getting everything together for himself while still doing some indie dates here and there. Um, and yeah, it's just you know, what a legend. And his life cut short. Uh, Ted, final question for the week, and I'll I'll let you go. What do you feel JYD's legacy is in wrestling, or as a man? Well, um, I know that, you know, his legacy as, as a wrestler is, it was, I mean, he's, I mean, again, he's a groundbreaker. I mean, here's a guy, uh, I mean, you go back, you can go back as far as you want to. And there, there were other, uh, there've been other black wrestlers, but to my recollection, there has never been, you know, a black guy who who achieved the heights of success that JYD did. I mean, when you got, when you got the whole crowd chanting, who dat? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and he did. And, and I mean, I mean, New Orleans was unique, but, but by the same token, anywhere in that South, I mean, the West, uh, Tulsa, uh, all, every, everywhere, everywhere that, 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 that Bill ran uh, shows. Uh, he had that kind of reception man uh what a gifted gifted performer cool guy incredible legacy um go back i encourage all of our, our listeners right now to go back and and check the, some of this stuff out that we watch it's again it's all on google it's easy to find or on wwe network i'm sure you can find tons of his work there so go out of your way to do that um that's going to do it for this week there's still plenty of stories left to tell when it comes to jyd i think that was kind of the tip of the iceberg and we'll we'll get to all the rest of them uh <laughs> when you know as we continue to cover mid-south in the future but next week we're doing another fan favorite edition of ask ted anything you can get your questions in on our social media which is at ted dibiase pod on all social platforms before we go i also just want to give everybody a reminder to check out premierestreamingnetwork.com and sign up for premiere plus uh, tons of sports, entertainment, other shows, a bunch of old wrestling, new wrestling. Uh, and, you know, if you're a fan, you really can't do much better than Premier Streaming Network. I can essentially guarantee that you're going to love what you find over there. Mm -hmm. If you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review because that helps us out a bunch. 
Ted is on social media. You can find him at MDM Ted DiBiase on all his social media platforms. Uh, follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on Twitter and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on Twitter and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Man, Ted, this was a real blast. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a tragedy that his life was cut short, but gosh, what a legacy JYD left behind. Yeah, he, he, he really did. And he, I think he really, he opened the, the door, I think, you know, for uh, people of color everywhere, you know, and, uh, and, and you know, and, 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 the, and the thing that makes it even bigger is that he did it in Louisiana and Mississippi. And you know, I, kudos to Bill Watts for, for having that, you know, the vision to do that. Because, I mean, he definitely did the right thing. And the guy, he, you know, I mean, we all, you know, we, you know, I could, I could tell you, I could, I, we could have a whole uh, hour long conversations about the stupid stuff I did in my life too. But uh, by the grace of God, I smartened up and, and, uh, and uh, you know, I will forever love JYD. He was a great guy. And I guess as we go, always remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, we will catch you next week right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.